it just seems like when we know your heart, it just takes care of everything. Because we know what you think about any situation. We know about what you want to do. Knowing your heart means knowing your ways. And knowing your ways mean, Father, that we are living out your kingdom. As we live out your kingdom, Heavenly Father, we get to know even more of you. We get to be just like you. So thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that shows us how to know your heart in our circumstances. See, when things don't look that good, when we know your heart, yeah, they look better. When situations don't turn out the way we expected, when we know your heart, Father, we know you're in control. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding us and directing us. We honor you today. We say have your way this morning so that you can show us the Father's heart. We're here because of that, to hear your word, to experience your presence. It's your heart that we're after. Let us be like David, who's known after a man who's chasing after God's heart. We chase after your heart as well. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. It is so good to see you this morning. I'm always delighted when I get a chance to hang out with the brothers and the sisters in the place where God has us. I do want to continue to encourage you that there's just so many good things that are going on in our fellowship. I had a great time with uh, the people in the first service. We had a lot of the uh, young athletes who play for CSU here at the first service. And I just want you to know, man, that those men are learning. There's a lot of great things going on and uh, they, they, they're getting through it. And I, I feel bad for them that they work so hard and come up so short, but life is like that sometimes. And so, but what I, what I do want to do is encourage you about some of the things that we're embarking on because we're really, to be honest with you, moments away, days away, maybe even weeks away from uh, finding that place that we want and need. And God is showing us to where we're getting ready to, you know, kind of put a contract on a piece of a property that we're real excited about. I mean, that that is pretty quick here. It's coming. And, and I thank you for your consistency. I thank you for, for, for your being involved in the fundraising because, I mean, it's near. I am so glad about that. Now, but there is one thing I want to share with you before we start. When you came in, you got a sheet and on that sheet was a was a word and i want i want to i want to read this to you because you know we are a, a, a charismatic church we we do believe in the gifts and, and that god speaks to us now now we've been talking to you about three words that have hit us over a period of time and i don't know uh how this is affecting you but it's affecting a lot of people in our church and the word that we heard a couple of three weeks ago maybe even a month ago was first of all the word called proclamation what god is saying that he wants you to proclaim into your situation the word of God. He wants you to take the situation that you are involved in and he wants you to speak the word of God. So that's the first word we've been hearing. That's been happening over a couple of months. The second word that we heard was breakthrough and that because if you begin to proclaim God's word into your situation, now understand that word is active, it's moving, it does exactly what it says it's going to do and guess what happened? Breakthrough happens and we've had people who experienced in those breakthroughs but then the third word that we heard was also not only proclamation, uh, breakthrough, but we also heard restoration. God's going to restore what the locusts is of Eden. So whatever you're involved in right now, you proclaim the word to it, the breakthrough 
comes and what happens is restoration follows. So what I'm getting ready to do is read this word to you. You should have it in your, you know, bulletin. I just want to read this to you because we, we were getting together one Monday night and, and one of our leaders, uh, began to speak this word and, and we felt like this word was for the whole church. So I'm going to read this to you. It says, you are not small, but mighty. Don't prepare as if you are small or insignificant. Prepare as if you are big because the power of Christ creates greatness in you. Talent uh, does not make you great. Working does not make you great. Organization does not make you great. Showing up does not make you great. Christ in you makes you great. Can we get amen on that, folks? Okay, then he says, be good stewards of what's in you. Don't prepare just enough. Don't wing it. Don't hope. It sounds good. Be great because Jesus in you is great. Don't let this word be about performance, about doing more or working harder. Let this word be an encouragement of what's already in you to do. Give the time it deserves. Don't do not let your faith be dead because of your lack in works. Give him your all. He gave his all. This is what I mean when I say give your time and your talent. Be great because greatness is in you through the blood of Christ. This is the time to step forward, to stop having the small church mentality. It's time to draw people in through the greatness and anointing that is in you. Step out and step uh, step out and step in. Be great. Be excellent. I am I not worthy of that. Let your faith be made evident in your preparation. Be great for me. Amen and amen. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I'm telling you something. I am so uh, excited about what God is having us share with you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where we're closing out the teaching uh, on giving. But let me say this to you. I have tried my best, okay, as I have uh, looked at these words to somehow think that when I look at these words, God is talking about money. But more and more, when I dig deep, deep into these scriptures, he's talking about more than that. And I want you to catch this today. I want you to look at the situation that you're in today because God is going to ask you a question and he's going to answer it for you. But I'm going to ask you to do something before we close this uh, service today, that if God is speaking to you in this message today, I'm asking you to respond. And I'm asking you to respond because there's something in you that God wants to do even much on a greater scale. And today would be the day that if you took the time to say, yes, God, that's me. If you took the time to say, yes, God, I was there, and then allow God to do what he needs to do, then something is going to happen to you this morning. It happened in our first service. We know it's going to happen in this one. And so I'm going to be closing it out by my own testimony and show you how God has changed my life in this area. And so what we're talking about today is this. We're talking about the law of generosity. But I don't want you to take generosity and hold it to the form of cash. I don't want you to think, take generosity and hold it to the issue of money. But what God is asking you is that generosity goes way beyond your possessions. Generosity is also involved in your time. Generosity is also involved in your talent. So I want you to stay with me today because God wants to expand something 
in you. And so I want to read this, and then I'm going to come back and share with you the importance of it. It says in uh, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. And let each one do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I must admit to you that as I have studied this, I'm finding more and more that it literally has nothing to do with finances. It has everything to do with what's going on in a man's heart. That which he is generous in, that which he is uh, charitable towards, has more to do than that. Now, what I'm going to do, uh, unlike the first service, I'm going to go to the cross-reference now. If you will, I want you to turn with me to uh, uh, Proverbs uh, 11, 24-26. And I want you to listen, look at this with me. Look at this with me, okay? Now, he says... There, the, there is one who scatters. Just think about what you scatter. Think about what you scatter. Do you scatter your thinking? Do you scatter your attitude? Do you scatter your time? Do you scatter your power? Do you scatter your possessions? I want you to really think about that. What is it do you scatter? Okay? Then it says, and yet increases all the more. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you scatter a bad attitude, that's what you're going to increase. Are you hearing me? That's exactly because now we're getting ready to talk about a law here in just a second. But but whatever you scatter, that's what's going to happen, okay? And it all depends on what you're thinking. It all depends on your attitude, what you're giving, and all those kind of things. And he says, and there is one who what? Withhold what is justly do, and yet it results only in want. Because we're going to talk about your time. We're going to talk about your talent. We're going to talk about your treasure. We're going to talk about your power. We're going to talk about your passion. And we're going to talk about your possession. But watch this. He says, the generous man will be prosperous. But generous in what? What are you being generous with? And then he moves on and says, and he who waters will himself uh, be watered. See, see, there's something that comes back because we're going to get you, we're going to get you to the law here in just a moment. And then he says, he who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessing be will be on the head of him who sells it. Now, I'm going to ask you to think about something when we get ready to go back into these scriptures because i want you to think about withholding something from god i'm thinking about the time that you put in other things now look here please when i when i talk like this this is not a beat down of you this is not a beat down of our church this is an evaluation now i want you to think about the thing you spend the most time doing I want you to think about where you put most of your space. I want you to think about a 24-hour day, and if you go look back in your schedule where you put most of your thinking, where you put most of your energy, and where you put most of your time. Because he says, wherever you scatter, that's what's going to come back to you. 
You know why? For this reason, okay? Because of the law of generosity. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians, all right? And let's look here again at this law. Now, anytime you're dealing with law, ladies and gentlemen, you're dealing with a system or a rule made by a government. Now, in just a few months back, you saw the Supreme Court make a decision on something because they have the power to do that. Now, when we talk about the law of reciprocity, we talk about God's government. Now, let me tell you something. The Supreme Court does not discern or desire or somehow influence the government of God. Did you hear what I'm saying? So no matter what kind of laws that they put in force, it's not going to change God's government. It's not. Why? Because we have laws that govern this universe. And when you talk about law, you're talking about something that is in effect because of the influence of the power that is behind it. Now, I'm, uh, you know, Beck and I spent some time last week on the university campus. We're back on campus. I'm beginning to knock on doors again, and I'll tell you why some other time. But, you know, you got people that have a different kind of thinking, man. You got a woman who don't think she's a woman, but because she thinks she's a man, she's okay. You got a man thinking that she's a woman and all that kind of stuff. And I'm standing here, regardless of what you think, it's not going to change who you are. You know, because there's laws that govern you. Because there's, there's something that, 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 that makes you different than a man. And, and, and it ain't got a lot to do with some of the features. And when I, when I told this to this young man, I said, there's one thing you cannot do, brother. You don't have a menstrual cycle. <laughs> it got quiet. See, because all this thinking, you know, but, but, but because people are sitting up here making up stuff because that's the order of the day. And I said, look here, if you don't believe in gravity, I want you to get on top of this library and just jump off. Now, whether you believe it or not makes no difference. Why? Because that law is in effect whether you like it or not. And when we talk about the law of generosity, we're talking about a law that God has put in effect. Watch this, regardless of who uses it. Because when you look at the word charity, charity means the act of what? Giving. It's a goodwill towards something. But let me tell you something about generosity. Generosity has a lot to do with abundance. Generosity has a lot to do with providing more than the amount needed. Now, let me ask you this question. Time, okay? Time is a precious gift from God. And there are times when God wants you to use your time, and there are times when God wants you to give more time than you've been given. Church, are you hearing me? And that might be in somebody's life. That might be in your marriage. That might be in your job. That might be for a neighbor. But time. But think about the stuff you spend most of your time doing. Because sometimes we give more than enough time to that and less time to what God wants us to give to. Are you with me, church? I just want you to hear the concept, all right? And so when you look at that, you, you understand that time also God is dealing with when he talks about generous. Are you generous with your time? Are you also generous with your talents? But now we're going to look at this. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I, I tried my best to just talk about this money thing, but that ain't what he's really telling me to do. It's not like I'm afraid of it. But he says, look here, the world's economy is based on buying and selling. But watch this. God's economy is based on giving 
and receiving. Whatever you give, you're going to get something back. Now, watch this. Here we go. We go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, now this I say. Now, guess who he's talking to? He's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to a group of people that are just filthy in riches. They have gifts. They have everything you'll ever need in the community. And then he says, he who sows. Now, I want you to get a picture of agronomy here. I want you to get a picture in the, uh, you know, earlier centuries where you would see a farmer, where it'd be a man or a woman, they'd have a sack uh, on their side here, and then they would be you know, walking in the ground that probably has already been tilled, and they just take this particular hand that they have, pull some grain out or some weeds out or seed out, and then they just throw it out there. Now think about this. The word sow means to scatter. Now let me let me let me let me try to draw you in a little bit on this. Scattering means not putting what you got in one place. That's what scattering means. See, God don't want all of your time here. God don't want all of your time there. God is saying, wait a minute. You are a seed-bearing structure of whom I want to use to share with the rest of the world. And I don't want all of your time wrapped up in your kids. I don't want all of your time wrapped up in your wife. I don't want all of your time wrapped up in school. I don't want all of your time wrapped up in this. I want to be able to use this so that my time is your time. Are you hearing me? Nobody's hearing me today. I want you to understand the power of that. Okay, and that's 24 hours in a day, and obviously there are certain things you got to do. But when you sow, what you do is you scatter. So when that young man or woman reaches in that pouch, uh, an old farmer or whatever, and throws it, they're, they're basically saying we want to spread as much seed as we can out so that we have a greater ability or what's coming back to us is going to have a greater chance now watch this he says now look now i say this he who sows what sparingly now the word sparingly means this you're not free it means it is marked by what practice carefully in a restraint or you are restricted by fear (laughs) i just want to say this to you ladies and gentlemen whatever you sow sparingly basically means that there is no freedom in it whatever you sow sparingly basically means you're restrained by something whatever that is see if we limit it to money then we're missing the point we're missing the point if i sow into my marriage sparingly guess what i'm gonna get back a sparingly relationship If I sow into my company sparingly, it's going to be restrained. I'm not going to be free. If I sow into my neighborhood sparingly, that's what's going to happen. And then, and and then, I mean, and this is a law. This is a law here. This is, this is, this is not something you can somehow manipulate. The law is saying you determine what this looks like. Now, watch this as we begin to move on. He not only says this, but he also says shell. Watch the word shell. The word shell means in future tense. That means if I sparely something over here, I'm going to sparely receive something in the future. And he says also, now watch this, he uses the word reap. Now, the word reap means receive a reward or benefit as consequences of one's own 
action. Think about this. If somebody treats you wrong or treats you bad, and what you sow into that is badness, you're going to get badness back. Church, did you hear that? If somebody treats you wrong, if somebody somehow begins to treat you in such a matter, what you put back into it is a sparingly response. Or your love back to them is sparingly. Guess what you're going to get back in return? You're going to reap that harvest. So God wants you to sow in such a way. Now I'm going, I'm getting to it because I want you to understand what the word is saying here. He says you will also reap sparingly. And then he says, he who sows, watch this, scatters again bountifully. That means there is a liberality or liberal in what restoring gifts or favor. And it is beyond the boundary. That's why God is saying you need to take the kingdom and what's going on. God's kingdom word, God's kingdom method, God's kingdom attitude. Because when you sow that into the situation, just like you heard the word earlier, that when you proclaim the word of God that is sharp, that any two-edged source, it able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you sow that into your situation, you got to believe that the law of that word is going to work. Because it's going to work whether you believe it or not. And so God is saying, if you sow what? Sparingly the word, you're going to get sparingly the word back. But if you sow the whole word into that, you're going to possibly receive something. Now, all he is saying, ladies and gentlemen, is this. He is saying the law of sowing and reaping goes way beyond finances. The law of sowing and weeping, reaping is also about your attitude. It's about your time. Whatever you put time into, that's what you're going to get back. And when we put time into God's time, into God's way, we're going to get God's result back. Church, are you hearing me at all this morning? Okay. And I, because I want you to understand that, I, and I want you to think about something in your life right now that you're dealing with that you would like to see bountifully come back to you, but come back to you according to the will of God. Now, Here is the second part of this. The first part basically makes this statement. When the believer engages in generosity, they activate the kingdom law of reciprocity and prosperity. Now, before I do verse 2, I mean verse 7, there is a group of Christians that are in this city. And we can count as pastors somewhere about 45,000, maybe 50, okay? And you've heard me share this a little bit. I'm sharing it again. Because that pot of believers in this city is not necessarily growing. It's not. Those same forty-five to 50,000 people may grow, maybe let's just say, a few hundred people a year. Just want to be honest with you, okay? Now, you go over here and you look at the amount of people that are in the city of Fort Collins that don't know Jesus. You know how many that is? A hundred thousand. A hundred thousand of them. And... By the rate that they are growing, not only being birthed in this city, 
babies, but in the rate that they're coming into this city and the rate that they're leaving this city, the numbers far, far, far percentage-wise outweigh the 45, 50,000. Are you with me so far? Now, this 50,000 over here ain't growing. This 50,000 over here ain't evangelizing. They're not discipling. They're not doing any of that. They're just pushing the reset button every four, five, maybe ten years. While this pile over here, man, is growing and growing and growing. Now, guess what these people over here, including you and I, are sowing into? We're sowing into the culture of Christianity. We're sowing into each other. Church, are you hearing me at all? Okay? But we're not sowing over into this 100,000 to where eventually this city is going to overtake us to where it's going to be 150,000 to 200,000 and then this group over here and maybe we're going to get to 60. And it's not bothering anybody in this city. And if we continue to sow right here and sow into ourselves, then this over here continues to get bigger and bigger. And we want these people to be with us, but these people ain't going to come to us unless what? We go to them. Are you hearing me? And we're not asking you to knock on anybody's door. What we're asking you to do is you got a neighborhood right there where you are. And God is saying, Johnny, if the believer does not sow into this, or even if the believer just sows sparingly. While this is growing, what we're getting here is these little nibbits, little tippets. And while this is just, maybe has a little swell in it, this thing here is a flood. And what God is saying is, we need to sow into this. We need to scatter into this. Because this here, right here, is where the harvest is. This is where the harvest is, right here. And, and I, just, I just want you to get that message. Same illustration. You got this little time, power, and possession right over here, just you individually. And over here, there are things to do. I'm not telling you what you're doing is not important. But when we what? Soul our time. Now, what do I mean by that? When you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, I think in the third chapter, it tells you there's a time for this, there's a time for that, there's a time for this, and there's a time for that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, all God is saying to me, what am I doing with my time? Am I using my time for his kingdom effectively? He asked the Christian to think about that. God, how do you want to use me today? Now, look at ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about excitement. I'm talking about what? God, look here. I'm going to just trust one time, one day, five minutes, I'm going to think about doing what you want me to do. Now, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. That's dangerous, but it's fun. It's exhilarating. I had that experience on CSU's campus this week. Beck had the same experience. Beck passed out a hundred sheets last Wednesday or Thursday. I went, well, I went with him, do the same thing. 
And what I did was, this is the Hilton, okay? If you go backwards where you are, turn around and look at the street, you cross the street, CSU begins there. I walk down to that edge because I'm not going to sit up here and say something to you that I myself is not going to live. So I came on campus on Wednesday and I came on campus on Thursday. You know what I did? Had some sheets in my hand about us and what we're about. Started on one end and walked to the plaza. And whatever God told me to do, I did. I handed out about 25 sheets. You know the question that I asked? Hey, we're going to take a little survey. There's a rise in America about religion. Do you think more about religion than you have five years ago? Checked off the box, whatever. Five questions. I'm amazed that this pile over here is more interested in spiritual things than this pile over here. Blew my mind, but I would have never known it if I didn't go do it. Church, are you hearing me? I'm just giving you facts. I'm talking about going and talking to this 100,000. Find out exactly where they are. But the only way that I could do that was to sow something in them. Just sow it in them. Now, and that's one thing to go hand them a $5 bill and say, I'm just sowing into your, <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> I could only give them what I had. And I had the Spirit of God in me. So, therefore, that's what I gave them. Okay. Are you following me so far on this? So now, what about power? When I sow my power, Paul is saying the only reason why we have power is for the sake of training, is for the sake of equipping, is for the sake of encouraging. So you have the power to train, to equip, and to encourage. That's what you do. You sow that into your kids. You sow that into your job. You sow that into everybody. So the whole law of sowing and weeping still works. Now, I'm going to show you verse 7, and I'm going to tell you something personally that happened to me because of how God changed my life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're on the verge of literally buying property with very little. I'll tell you why in just a minute. We're on the verge of finding a piece of land a couple of three weeks away from really signing the contract. And it becomes the permanent home of Isis. We're on the verge of that. Small group of people, not that big, don't have a lot of money. But there's a reason why this is happening. But let me, first of all, share with you this. Look at verse 7. It says, let, don't forbid, prevent, or to allow, saying, let this happen, man. Let each of you, that means everybody is participating. Every believer should participate in this. Let each one do just, now that means the moment, right now, just as he has what purpose resolved predetermine the reason which something is done in his heart. The seed of the soul, the, the cardiac, this is where your treasure is. He says, look, let each one do just as he has purpose in his heart. So here again, I'm thinking about money. The Holy Spirit said, wait a minute, John, it goes deeper than that. 
There is something in your heart to do, and you need to do it. How many times you have been driving down the street and God dropped something in your heart and you knew it was a good idea, but you didn't follow up on it? I know I've done that. How many times at that particular moment God has moved upon you to do something and a person is sitting right next to you and you don't do anything because, see, it's in your heart to do. And God says it's a purpose to do it. There's a reason to do it. And all I want you to do is what? Do it. That's it. And he's not asking you to be like me. He's not asking you to be like Becky. He's not asking you to be like Billy Graham. He's asking you to be you for him, church. Are you hearing me? At that moment. And you know he does it. Why? Because he talks to you all the time. He talks to you in every situation. And he wants you to know. So when it comes down to money, it's not an issue. Why? Because my brain and my possession, my behavior, everything that I have is already ready to do something. God is saying now, when it comes down to the financial thing, you've already learned because of what? The physical and the spiritual and the mental. It's no big thing. So this sowing and weeping thing goes way beyond cash. Whatever is in your heart to do. That's it. That's all it is. Now watch this. <laughs> Look at this part. He says, not grudgingly. What he's saying is, in a reluctant and willing way. Not grudgingly. Or, or under compulsion, or to, to, to be covered by, in, in the sense of a necessity imposed either by circumstances or by a law of duty regarding one's advantage or, or customs or, or even arguments. Because before we talk about the last one here, grudgingly. See, let, let me tell you something. God will take a $20 bill that is given without any hesitation about any restraint and will do more than a person who gives a million now we won't neglect a million but 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 you know what i'm saying but because that million dollars won't have the effect that god wants it to have it just won't that twenty dollars will it will because of the law of sowing and reaping now watch this loving somebody grudgingly is that really love? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to love them because God told me to love <laughs> Forgiving somebody grudgingly? Is that really forgiveness? See, see, God can't use that. He can't use it. So if we just think this is about cash, we miss the message. It's the law of generosity. Am I generous with my love? Am I generous with my forgiveness? Am I generous? If God says this, you've got time. Have you ever thought about giving time to the church? Are you generous with that? God, God, God says, you got talent. 
what kind of talent are you generous with when it comes down to the body of Christ? And what kind of talent are you generous with when it comes to this pile over here of these non-believers, a hundred thousand of them waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus? Man, look here, I'm sitting here with a, a two young ladies on campus, uh, tattooed up, smoking, all that kind of stuff. I have no problem with that. I just ask them a basic, simple question, man. And the answers that come back, you don't sit up there and judge those people. But I'm going, God, this thinking, these people really think this. They don't even know that Jesus lived. They don't even know that he came and died for their sins. They don't even know that. See, they're raised in a culture where all the religions are the same. They're raised in a culture where what? Everything is relative. They're raised in a culture, if you think you're a man, you're a man. If you think you're a woman, you're a woman. If you think you're a man, that's a woman, or a woman, that's a man. Come on. That's what they believe. And God is saying, Johnny, as you walk on this campus, as you knock on doors in your neighborhood, are you willing to sow your time into the life of another individual that don't know me? See, it's all the same. And then what he says here at the end, because I'm going to share with you this story. He says here uh, in verse 7, we're not going to even do 8 today. We'll wait till next week. For God loves a cheerful giver. So I found myself weeping Tuesday. The leadership will tell you. Because I got sick and tired of hearing about the Christian body and what we should be doing. And here's how the Lord convicted me. You need to get up out of your seat, son, and go do what you're asking your people to do. Because you've avoided it for years. Later on that day, I had Lindsay make me some cards up. I spent a half a day on campus. And I spent a whole day on campus the day after that. This next week, I'm going to pick out a place in my neighborhood and knock on the door. That's all I'm going to do. Now, what I've asked God to do is this. Let me do it with joy. Let me not do it grudgingly. Let me not do it because I have to. Let me not do it so I can come back and preach on it and say, I did it, now you got to do it. It's the wrong motivation. Because if I cheerfully give my next door neighbor my time and just walking over there and just saying, hey, my name is Johnny Square. And I've been living in this neighborhood for 25 years. And we're in the neighborhood. I've been living here in the city for a while. I have a little small church. Uh, I don't know if you have a church home. But here's what we do. Here's my car. Can I pray for you? And then just see what God does. Are you hearing me? Because I want to take the time to sow into somebody else's life. Well, here's how this ends. 
Jesus Christ fellowship is in the financial position she is in because of me. Because of my attitude about rich people, about money. I ran most of the rich people out of our church years ago. Because I grew up in Houston, Texas, where back then there was a boom, an all boom. And I I saw billionaire clubs back in the 70s. Tentacle went up, Texaco, Shell, Sinclair, big boom. That was some 4,000 people a day moving into Houston, Texas. And I got out of there coming to Fort Collins to know that Fort Collins was the fourth largest growing city in the nation. But I had this attitude about rich people because I saw how they used their money to manipulate people and to control people. And that was my impression. And I didn't want them determining what it is going to look like by just throwing money at me. But I spent more time trying to get rid of them. I want you to know something. God busted my butt on that one. Confronted me and said, you're wrong. And I had to change. Because I had the wrong attitude about money. I had the wrong attitude about those who were wealthy. And it was a sin. And I had to repent. I've got people sitting in this church today that are training me how to talk to people who have wealth now. And God said, I sent those people to you years ago, man, because I wanted them to be a part of the kingdom of what I was doing in your life, in the city, and in your church. I had to repent. And when we left out of 363 Jefferson, my heart was broken. Man, I was hurt for like six months over that thing. And all of a sudden, God gave me an opportunity to meet a friend who's a billionaire. Heard my story. Saw my heart and said, we want to help. Here's what I need you to do. And he said, if you sow into me spiritually and train me in spiritual things, I will sow into you materially and show you how to do this. And that's what I've been doing for the last year in this person's life. And because of that, we have an opportunity to get a building that we cannot afford and land that is too expensive for us. Church, are you hearing me at all? Because of the situation of my own heart, because of the way I viewed finances, and because of the way I viewed something that was not the way God wanted to view it. And so I say to you, I was wrong. And I was sinning because those individuals need God just like anybody else. 
And they, uh, them having those riches, well, not only for themselves, but watch this, it's for the kingdom of God. And for me to be able to sit there and talk to them about their own legacy and how part of that legacy has to do with building God's kingdom, it's amazing how they respond. It's amazing. But because of my sowing sparingly, I couldn't see that. But now, because of the bountiful sowing of my time into their life and giving them the kingdom of God, you and I have the potential of doing something great in this city. And God is asking you to do the same thing. So when he says he loves a cheerful giver, he's saying it is based on joy. So I'm no longer after these people's money. You know what I'm after? I'm after being used to sow the kingdom of God into their heart. And whatever they choose to do with their money is between them and God. Are you hearing me? And so what I'm saying is, what are you going to scatter today? I'm knocking on doors. I'm going on the campuses. I'm taking my little card that people met, that, that Lyndon and made for me. I'm just saying, hey, who? this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Man, can I pray for you? I'm starting that sowing into my life, into the lives of my neighbors, into the lives of people. And I'm looking forward to what harvest comes from that. And I'm going to ask you a question as we get ready to close. Because I just want to read something else to you. Maybe you got convicted like I did. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing the first service did. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to come down to this altar and admit that. Just like I admitted to you how wrong I was about money, about rich people. I was wrong. And how selfish I have been in my stewardship of giving and tithing and all that stuff. I was wrong. And this series has changed my life. Because I'm keeping thinking, you know what, God, I got to motivate the church. I got to get it to give and all that stuff. You stop it, Johnny. There's more here than money. It's about reciprocity, man. It's about prosperity. It's about time. It's about talent. It's about treasures and giving. And maybe there's some of you in this room today who've had time that you haven't given. You just haven't. You've been you've been kind of uh, doing it spiritually. Maybe God has convicted you about the talent that you got, and oh, I'm gonna just give it to the church because man, I just maybe maybe there's some treasures that you're holding back. I got freed up, and the reason why I was freed up is to tell you about my freedom. Because just like he freed me, he wants to free you.
Jesus Christ Fellowship is going after that 100,000. We started that last week. Jesus Christ Fellowship is putting a plan together to where we can hit that 100,000 through social media, videos, and everything we can find. Jesus Christ Fellowship is getting ready to knock on doors. We're not asking you to do it. Whatever God shows you to do, do it. But we got to sow into it, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody needs to participate according to what is in your heart do. And if you're willing to confess your sin, if you're willing to confess that you're holding back and that you're scared, if you're willing to confess that you haven't given what God really wants you to give and he's told you to do it, I'm going to ask you very graciously not to improve anything to anybody, not to impress anybody, but would you be honest enough to say, God, I have held back. Would you be honest enough to repent of it? And even bold enough to get up out of your seat here in just a moment and kneel down and say, I was wrong. I was wrong about money. I was wrong about people. I was wrong. And I had to repent. And we're suffering financially today because of my stuff. It's not going to happen anymore. It's not. Because of my fear of talking about money and fear that you're going to get up and walk out of here. Because of my bad attitude about using God's resources. You've suffered from that. No more. No more. we got a couple of weeks left after we finish this series. But I'm asking you to step up to the plate. And be real about where you are in this situation. Let me just close with what I need to read to you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. We're going to get ready to take up our offering here. I just want to read this to you. These are just things written down. For God loves a cheerful giver. A joy that prompts to doing something. God is more interested in our hearts than he is about our math. Yeah, we're going to be talking about tithing. We're going to be talking about first fruit. We're going to be talking about alms and offering. But God is more concerned about your heart than the division of your money. The want to should be a greater motivation to give than the ought to. This is the prohibition of obligation. No oughtness is necessary. Shouldn't our giving under grace exceed anything we give under the law? This is a spiritual law, the law of generosity. It's a kingdom principle. It is self-governing. It is enforced by a controlling authority. With our time, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.19, there's a time for everything. With our talents, First Peter 4.10, it talks about giving and using your gifts and your talents as God has given it to you. And with our treasure, we see in Matthew 25.14-30 that when we have these gifts and we don't use them, God will take them away from us. And when we do use them, he will give us more. 
when you talk about power, not misusing your power, but your power to equip. As it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 10, my power is to help you, to encourage you, and to equip you, not to misuse and dominate you. My passions is to serve, like it says in Proverbs fourteen thirty. It says, passions that run rapid adds rottenness to the bones, but a tranquil heart adds life to the body. And then the last thing is possessions. It says, give, and it will be given unto you, shake down, turning over more than you can handle. As we prepare to take up our offering, Father, we thank you that these Whatever we put in the plate is just a mere small sample of the blessings that you've given us. We, we, man, we, we, God, we just give it to you. And we, and we, and we, we do it cheerfully. And what we ask you to do, Father, will you multiply it? Will you, will you give it back? Not because somehow you need it, <laughs> but you want to demonstrate to us that we cannot give you. And we love you, Lord. We do. And we know you love us. Will you bless this offering in Jesus' name? Amen. And amen. Now, you know, we do this at the end of every service. And we do it because we want to train you to be able to do it at any moment, any time, 30 seconds, a minute, three minutes. Is that, you know, are you at a place in your spiritual journey where you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And if you don't know for sure, Okay, maybe it's something you're still working on. Or another question is that if you stood before God and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? Well, it's pretty clear, ladies and gentlemen, heaven is a gift. It is free. You cannot earn it, nor do you deserve it. Because it's been by grace that we've been saved, not by works. And that we're sinners and we cannot save ourselves. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he demonstrated that by paying the penalty for you and my past, present, and future sins. Wrote on it with his blood. He died, rose from the dead, and purchased a place for you in heaven so that you will be where he is.